Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up with you, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. Doug Gottlieb Show comes to you from beautiful Southern California. Check out the latest lines from the world of sports at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21, President Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Uh,. We'll get to Steph Curry and the uh, sports radio fodder he laid out for us. I thought uh, Carmelo Anthony had something very interesting to say. What I saw last night in college basketball in terms of getting ready for the NBA draft. Uh, plus, we got weekends games. We got a stop, ton of stuff to get. But let's let's get Dana Jeremiah in here. Of course, NFL analyst for the NFL Network. Co-host of the award-winning podcast, Move the Sticks, you see on the NFL Network as well. And of course, he, in addition to other things... He is the analyst for the Chargers radio network. Let, let's start with that game. Um, you were there. I saw some of the videos that you, you were tweeting out. What, when, when you look back now at that football game, what jumps out at you? Well, it was, you know, overall just an incredible game. Uh, unbelievable environment. My, my takeaway, and, and really from talking to people around the league um, that have no affiliation with the Chargers like I do calling their games, Everybody said the same thing a couple days out, which is Justin Herbert's performance was the story of that game. That's what you're going to remember. I know the Raiders won the game, and it was a gritty, tough performance by them uh, after all they've been through this year to, to you know, find their way to the postseason. But the series of throws that Herbert made in fourth quarter and overtime was, was honestly, Doug, it was unlike anything I've seen. Being at a live game, I've never seen that many you know, fourth down clutch throws, including a fourth and 21 touchdown. I just, I'd never seen anything like that. No, he was, he was amazing. Um, give me your honest reaction to going for it on fourth down and two at your own, what, 18 yard line in the first yeah. half. Yeah. I mean, I said it on the broadcast, you know, of, I, I, I didn't like it. I, I've been totally in favor of the aggressive approach that, that uh, coach Daly's brought to the, to the team. I think it's given them an identity and I can, I can definitely defend all the other fourth down decisions that have been made this year, even some on your own end of the field because of the opponent that you're playing and the type of game it was. I can, you know, you know, maybe it worked out, maybe it didn't, but I could see the logic behind it and I, I could get behind it. That was the one, you know, the one fourth down play that I just personally didn't, you know, I didn't love that decision. But I mean, that's the great thing about football is you get different opinions. And um, I know, you know that wanted to be in line with their aggressive approach. I just, I said it on the air. I didn't think the juice was worth the squeeze on that one. You get the first down, you're at your own 20-yard line. You don't get the first down. It's a three-point mistake. So, um, yeah, I thought that one was maybe a little bit too aggressive, just in my opinion. Why Why? Did, why are people under the impression that the Raiders were going to take a knee? I have no idea. They're going to run the football, whether or not it was before, you know, uh, with a timeout, without a timeout. That whole thing I didn't, I didn't get, you know, because I was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the radio calling the game, so I don't know what the national discussion is. And then I obviously saw all the blowback on social media after the game was over looking at my phone. And I, 
I thought, man, this is, you know, probably would be a lot of, uh, of chatter and talk about what we just talked about going for it on your own 18. I didn't think that was so controversial at the end of the game. I was lobbying on the broadcast that I thought they should use their timeouts earlier to keep more time on the clock um, so that you wouldn't give the Raiders an opportunity to have a free field goal opportunity, meaning, you know, there's three seconds left. They kick the field goal. They make it or miss it. It's irrelevant. There's no penalty. Um, if you if you use your timeouts a little earlier and then they're faced with a fourth down and a 50-plus yard field goal with 45 seconds left, now there's a penalty because if you miss it, the Chargers have an opportunity to go down and beat you and, and knock you out of the playoffs. You would have to punt um, in that situation, which the Chargers would welcome. They punt the ball. You can run it and get out of there. Everybody's happy and you win. Uh, whereas if you let it run all the way down, I think the Raiders, even if it was a long field goal, um, I mean, I think you get a free shot at it there in that case. It's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Do the Raiders have a shot in Cincinnati? They have a shot because I don't, I don't love Cincinnati's offensive line, giving up a lot of sacks this year. And I think you saw in that game, I, I know, uh, you know Max Crosby, rightfully so, got a lot of uh, praise and attention for the game that he played. You go back and watch it on tape. I was really impressed with Yannick Ngakwe and what he did on the other side. And, and albeit, you know, the Chargers were throwing the ball every down. He threw it 34 times in the fourth quarter. Uh, but Ngakwe was able to do something not many guys have done. He got Rashawn Slater a couple times um, in that game. So when you have those edge rushers, um, they, they had a nice complimentary rush inside as well. I mean, that's your chance against them. If if the Bengals' offensive line holds up against the pass rush, they're going to torch that secondary. So that that's going to be how the game's decided. But when you have a when you have a pass rush, you got a fighting chance, and the Raiders do. Uh, let, let's look at at some of the other things going on. Did you know there was such dysfunction within the Dolphins that Brian Flores is out of a job? I didn't. I, I didn't. And I've you know I've kind of gone on record with this one. Is I, I've I've never met Coach Flores. I've I, I've got a lot of respect for what he accomplished there. Um, it's not easy to win games in this league to go back to back. You know, winning seasons has a dominant defense uh, for a good portion of that. But I've known I've known Chris Greer and you know from scouting over the years for about 20 years, just running into him a bunch and talking to him, and we have a lot of mutual friends. And um, whether or not Chris has done a great job as a general manager, that's debatable. I'll let people debate that. But man, his he has such a great reputation as just a great, great dude um, that I have to believe there had to be some kind of a major. Uh, you know, interpersonal disconnect there between those two for that for that decision to be made, and it didn't seem like Chris a very hard guy to get along with, in my opinion. Uh, is this is this just more of the Belichick tree, right? Where they, you know, your formative years, that's who you become, and because they've seen how Belichick carries himself, runs an organization, they try and do the same. And I can give you coach after coach where it hasn't worked. Yeah, I. You know, I, I think in those situations, those guys see a head coach who it's not how they necessarily treat people. I, I think it's just the fact that the head coach has all the power. So anything that the head coach wants, it, it happens, it goes because he's the big boss. And I think you go into these situations that a lot of these guys have done where you've got somebody else to answer to and you don't get to have the final authority on that. I think that can be frustrating for them because that's all they've seen. And they, and they look and say, look at all the success we've had doing it this way, where a lot of these other people have come from other organizations, like the one I worked in in Baltimore, where it was a GM-driven team who then hired a coach and they worked together. 
and they've had tremendous amount of success. There's a lot of people in the league that feel like that's the best model, and it's it's proven to work pretty well for for those organizations as well. So I think you hit it, Doug. It's kind of what you're familiar with, and I think sometimes people get the sense that you know what they've seen in their past is the only path that works, and that's just not the case. Speaking of Baltimore, do they do they extend Lamar in the offseason? I'd be curious. You know, I, I think they have um, – they should have a, some courage here, I would think, to have a number and stick to it and not go over it. You know, whatever that number may be, I have no idea. Um, but I think they, they gain a little bit of leverage just with the fact that Lamar started to break down a little bit. The fact that Tyler Hundley played, you know, more than serviceable brand of football. I don't think they have, uh, you know, I, I don't think they would have a huge sense of urgency to meet any demand that, that Lamar would have in the contract negotiation process. If they get a number that works for them, sure, go ahead. Um, but I don't think you're going to see them stretching. Most most of these big-time deals, the teams, you know, it's almost like, oh, man, I did not want to go to that number, but we had to do what we had to do. I, I don't just really see that motivation for the Ravens to, to look at it this way. What happens in Minnesota? We haven't talked a lot about Minnesota. They owe Cousins $45 million. They're stuck with Cousins. Right, 35, right? 35, 30, right? 35? Let me, let me look. Give me a I'll, I'll check while you answer. Yeah. But that generally means whoever comes in feels like he's stuck with him for a year. Yeah. Um, how does what what is the type of general manager head coach combination that fits in Minnesota? Yeah, I looked up the contract too. So the cap hit would be forty five. He's going to be making thirty five. The, the uh, um, I think it's the best job. I know everybody's got all these opinions on these jobs. I think it's the best job. I think you, you're going to roll with Cousins for next year. You've got one year. Um, you've got a roster that's in pretty good shape, in my opinion. You've got a lot of good players there. You've got a patient owner with resources. You've got you know what have been two perennial cupcakes in your division uh, with Chicago and Detroit. I, I think that's a good job. And for all the you know people say Kirk's overpaid this out of the other – you can win with Kirk Cousins. I think he's a top 15 quarterback. Now, whether that's number 15 or, you know, that's, you know some people don't want, don't want the 15th quarterback. A lot of teams that, that would. I think he gives you a chance to win games while you're trying to find the next guy, um, especially in a draft that I'm not all that fired up about at the quarterback position. I think that's a pretty attractive job, in my opinion. In fact, I'd, I'd push it right to the top of the list. Uh, Garoppolo played really well last weekend. Debo Samuel is just wrecking teams in like he was crushing at wide receiver, and then they moved to running back, and he's crushing it at running back. What's the likelihood they pull off the upset in Dallas? I think they've got a good shot. I mean, that that game again comes down to their front. Um, they've got to get home with four. Their defense has, has really played well this year, but it's all been based off their four man pressure, and Nick Bosa is obviously a huge part of that. Uh, if they can't get home right away on on Dak and these weapons, I think that they'll be able to uh, exploit the 49ers in the back end a little bit. So that's going to be kind of the key on that end. And then when you look at the Niners with them on offense, you mentioned Debo. I think a lot of the, the talking points this week, you'll see it on all the shows. It's going to be Trevon Diggs, you know, the matchup of Diggs and Debo and Diggs covering Debo. The 49ers are not going to put Diggs in a situation to cover Debo. They're going to put Diggs in a situation to have to tackle Debo. Uh, and that's going to be a problem because he is not a good tackling corner, uh, one of the worst in the league, to be quite honest. So they're going to they're going to just pitch the ball to him. They're going to flip it to him. They're going to throw smoke screens to him, and they're going to make Diggs have to tackle him. And and Trayvon Diggs is not good in that department. So uh, that's going to be a, a fascinating thing. I think the 49ers have a really good shot. I just 
I ended up picking the, the Cowboys to win like a one-point game, 28-27, and, and more so than anything else. I just think I just get the feeling that, it, you know, Jimmy gave you the good Jimmy in the second half of the game last week, and I just I, I figure there's a there's a boo-boo coming here in this game, and, and that'll, that'll do them in. Yes, it's a question of not not if he'll make a mistake, but how big a mistake, and will they will they have the ability to clean it up? Um, that yeah. that that feels like when you're you mentioned. All right, what about the Rams? They welcome in the Cardinals. Cardinals record wise, better on the road. JJ Watt back, and the Rams kind of gagged all over themselves last week um, no. in trying to put away the Niners. Could could have kept the Niners out of out of the playoffs? What are your thoughts about the Rams heading into the playoffs? Yeah, I think their Achilles heel is, is kind of that offensive line, and that, that would worry me a little bit. You know, when you go into the postseason, you've seen them get beat up against some teams. I believe they gave up five sacks last week. Um, but you flip it over to the other side, and Arizona's offensive line is their Achilles heel. They, they're, they, they gave up five sacks as well. And you look at who's going to be able to take advantage of the weakness, and I think the Rams with their front, um, I just like where they are right now a little bit more with their defensive front to be able to take advantage uh, of Arizona, I'd love it if Arizona would come in and just really try and you know out physical them as they did in the first meeting between the two teams, and and I think that gives them their best shot. I just don't think, even though they dabbled in that style of play this year, I you know I think they default to what they really really want to do, which is to drop back and throw it a zillion times. I think if they do that, I think the Rams are able to get home enough, uh, you know, to get out of there with the win. But long term in the postseason with the Rams this year, I. I mean, that offensive line, when they see a big-time, big-time front, uh, that's going to worry me. Three degrees in Buffalo, uh, but won't be windy like the time that the, that the Patriots did win up there, right? Um, what chances do you give the Patriots of taking two out of three from the Bills? I don't, I don't see it. I, I just think the Bills are just a much better team. And it's such a weird scenario in the loss, you know, with the wind and um, and all that. I, I just think Josh Allen is the gap between the quarterbacks is immense and his ability to play in, in cold weather and be able to run around, make plays on top of everything else. The defense is really settled in with Buffalo. They've had a great year, but they're really, um, I think they're ready to roll. I think that's a wash when you look at the two defenses. And I just think the gap at the quarterback position is, is going to be the difference in this game. I, I'll be very surprised if Buffalo loses this one. Dana Jeremiah joining us. Move the Sticks is the podcast. Works for the NFL Network. Covers the Chargers as well. Uh, you, you got your ear to the ground. Um, what happens in Seattle? I don't know. I, I found it hard to believe that they just kind of bring everybody back and run it all back just from the standpoint that they don't have picks um, and they've, they've got an older roster that's kind of expensive. That, that usually lends itself to some change coming and a little bit of a reboot here. Um, it doesn't feel like it's a team that's knocking right on the doorstep. Let's bring everybody back and go for the one last ride here. I, I just that didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. But you know, nothing's happened as of as of yet that I've seen. So um, maybe that's what they ultimately end up doing. I would have bet that there'd be at least some type of change there. You know, whether it's you know the head coach, the you know the uh, the generally the quarterback here, um, and you know who knows, maybe all the above, maybe none of the above. But I thought we'd see some change. Yeah, I thought I thought we would too, but we have we have not as of as of yet. Dana Jeremiah is our guest here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, Aaron Rodgers had a lot of interesting things to say, but one of can you guys have that that comment about uh, about the Giants? This was this was the best. This was in regards to the Giants, and um, uh, t- take a listen to what he said about the third and nine full house backfield. 
uh, uh, quarterback sneak. On uh, He said this on Pat McAfee's podcast. Third and nine on the minus five. Oh. Let's go in, in uh, goal line personnel and run a QB sneak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would, you, would, you would call timeout there? We'd audible? Hey, call, call that one in, Matt, and let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that'd be awesome! Fourth that, quarter, unbelievable. How does that happen? I uh, I was shocked. I, I you know I didn't see it live. I just heard about it first, and then I saw the replays, and I was like, "Yeah, that's not good, man. That that is, uh, you know, th- those are things that get you fired. Those are kind of like the last nail in the coffin moments, and just bizarre. I didn't know how to explain it. Just freaking, just bizarre, non-competitive." Um, the kind of the opposite of everything you've been trying to preach and and we've heard about what they're trying to get accomplished but i don't know it, you know look was, that was over i mean once that happened you can't bring that guy on on it just it looked like a, it looked like a bad high school coach move is what it looked like yeah it was that was a that was a weird one you think baker is the quarterback in in cleveland next year you know what i do but my confidence level is not as I think they'll be kicking the tires on all the other options that are out there. Yeah, it'd be hard to move him too, but uh, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a bizarre one. DJ, uh, I, I was like exhausted for a day. I was energized but exhausted <laughs> for a day after the game because, uh, you know, like they're, they're down 15. They're down 15. I, I, I was interested that he went for it on the first touchdown I know that was that was because I, I that I, I guess the, the book must say that does the math say yeah go the book the first says one? you want to know what points you're chasing so you'd rather you'd rather know with a little bit of time left that you might need an onside kick versus not getting it at the end of the game and the game's over but forever the thought process you know traditional thought process had been you want to extend the game as long as possible stay in the game as long as possible so as long as you make it keep it within one score you want to keep extending it but. Um, I think I've seen a lot of teams make that decision. Harbaugh did earlier this year as well, is they want to know how many points they're chasing, so they want to do the two-pointer on the first touchdown versus the second. So, yeah, it was uh, that was a stressful that was a stressful environment, man. But it was sure was a lot of fun. Hell of a game, great season. Unfortunately, Chargers go one and three down the stretch, and and they're at home watching despite having what I think we all consider an elite young quarterback and and a coach who has has brought a new style to the league in terms of decision-making. DJ, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, bud. See you, man. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Kind of like talking to guys. We just Hey, uh, Jay Stew. I don't know if you or Lee Mayock, uh, whoever arranged the guest today, really good, really good. Well, we had Albert Breer, Daniel Jeremiah. Who was our Who was our third guest? Who's and uh, third Jeff guest? Schwartz. And that, that's Jeff Schwartz. That's definitely Lee Mayock. So shout out to Lee. Yeah, shout out to Lee. Lee Mayock books our show. Um, she does a great job. She's also um, she like she's a Raider fan. I'm a Charger fan. I sent her a, te- a very nice congratulatory text on Monday. Right, we got. We got uh, Dave Coelho, of course, who's a booker for, for Cowherd, um, who's a Raider fan. I didn't send him any nice texts because he's just not that nice a human being. I'm kidding, of course. Anyway, um, 
She's very, she was very gracious in victory. I would, I'm not sure I would be as gracious, and most Raider fans aren't as gracious, but she was very gracious. Good job, Dilly. I just, I feel radio fulfilled when I get three very different perspectives. Albert Beer, who covers everything going on in the league. Jeff Schwartz, who covers it, but also, you know, does some gambling stuff and is a former player. And then DJ, who is a college player and an analyst and has a, has a ton of different connections being a former scout. Um, there, there's, there's a couple of different things that in sports radio, you got to be careful to not take the bait, right? And you'll hear, uh, I've always been told it's, it's called survey radio, right? Should you have gone for it on fourth down? Call it eight, seven, seven, nine, nine on Fox. Oh, Hey, call her. What's your name? What, you know? That's survey radio. Try and stay away from it. Um, summer months, look, it can get tricky. You know, you're like, nobody talks about baseball on national radio. Tom Brady's not leaving anywhere. Aaron Rodgers is hiking Machu Picchu. NBA's over. Questions. How good would LeBron be in the 80s? How good would the guys in the 80s be in 2022? Which is essentially what Steph Curry did. Here's Steph did a segment of GQ's Actually Me and had this exchange. I got to ask, fully healthy, do you believe the Warriors with KD could have beat the 96 Bulls in a seven-game finals? Absolutely. Obviously, we will never know, but you put us on paper with them, I like our chances. I'd say dubs in six, too. Okay, so look, it's a question asked to him from GQ's some little deal they got. Let's not act like it was uh, he took the mic, you know, on TNT's Inside the NBA and said, he's a three-time champion. Whoever thought, you know, my team that won the championship, my organization and a different form of that team won 73 games, we would lose to anybody. Those guys don't think you can lose to anybody. You know, Steph Curry has the record for being the league's greatest three-point shooter ever. There could be an argument, but if you ask Larry Bird, and if you asked him in his heart of hearts, Larry Bird, or you ask Chris Mullen, you ask any of these other great shooters, hey, if you got to get take the volume of threes, well, they'd all say, maybe they wouldn't say it on TV or on a GQ segment, they'd all say, yeah, I would be just as good, if not better. You're not going to get to be that great unless you believe you're that great. So I guess my question is, do I take the bait and actually break down, the, take the bait or don't take no, the bait? No, do not take the bait. Buyer, take the bait, Doug. Take oh. the bait. <laughs> All right, Jay Stu, rubber the, you're the rubber match or whatever. You're the deciding factor. I mean, I I kind of feel compelled to give you some context here, right? As as you know, my morning, my process starts with watching the debate shows and more to see how the producers stack their shows, not necessarily to hear their opinions, but stack them just, and rack yeah, them, boys. just to see what producers around the country are doing, right? And when I saw this done on the first show that I watched this morning, I'm like, there's no way we're doing this. This is, this is like a, a, a layup July 5th topic. And then each show after that I'm watching did the exact same topic. They They all took the bait. So I guess my point is, do, the listeners must want to hear this. We don't, I don't necessarily want to do it, but I think the listeners maybe want us to do it. I mean, the truth is there's no answer here, right? <laughs> right? Like, I mean, the, the truth is there's no, there's no answer. There's no right answer or right no, or no wrong answer. answer. There's just no answer. 
Which, which Bulls team are we talking about? The seventy-two win Bulls team? Yeah, they, I they think won the, six titles. Yeah, and they had uh, they had very different. Like I would tell you, I personally think that you know that that first one. Are we talking the first three championships or the second three? It was the '96 team. So what is that, Dan? Is that the the, the last team of the first yeah, trilogy well, or the yeah. first team of the second? '96 was the first team of the second, second trilogy. Right. First to the second, yes. I mean, because what you have to understand is here's how the sport would change. Dennis Rodman would become your center, right? And so Tony Kukoc would become a start. Like in the, that's how the, when when the Warriors go small, that's what the Bulls would do. But we're also like, oh, what rules are we playing under? Are we going to the 90s rules where you could hand check? Because that changes Steph dramatically, you know? Remember, he had power forwards on the floor. Again, that's, that's what I'm saying about was Horace Grant or Dennis Rodman, who were power, quote, power forwards. Now those guys would be centers, and you'd have the, the one thing about the Bulls were they, they were using length defensively and switching things defensively before it was truly in vogue. Um, obviously, there's a lot more firepower. You, with, with, you got Kevin Durant, you got Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. That's a lot of firepower. That's a lot of firepower. If, you know, like, how are you, you're matching that if you're the Bulls with what? Kukoc, Jordan, and Pippen? Ooh, that's hard. That, 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 that's hard. Um, you know, that, now that team, was that BJ Armstrong? Was that, was Steve Kerr wasn't all three years. What, was he Bayer? I don't think he was. No, all and two. I think Armstrong was in the first, uh, it the was, first it was, three. It was the first, uh, John Paxson was, I thought the first three. Maybe they were both there. They're both, they were both, I think in the, in the second or third one. Because wasn't there the whole point of when BJ Armstrong left and then he came back with, did he go to Charlotte? He did go to Charlotte. And, uh, you know, had a good game against the Bulls. And then the next time they played, like the Bulls just, you know, poured it on him. Yes, Ramos. I guess you could say that, I mean, the better defensive team would probably be the Bulls, correct? I mean, Jordan would probably lock down Steph Curry. Pippen would probably lock down Durant. Pretty, you know, play very, very good defense. I assume Klay Thompson but, but, would be, but, would but be again, the odd I, person I, out. I, I well, no, because you would have had Ron Harper, who was an okay. excellent defense. Who was an excellent. People forget Ron Harper was a scorer. Then he tore his knee with the Cavs, and then he became one of these Swiss Army knife guys. Um, I mean, that was a, that was a, a team though, that was kind of ahead of the curve in terms of their ability to play small. You had, you, you would have had Ron Harper, Tony Kukoc, Dennis Rodman, Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen. That would have been their small ball lineup. And no, Rodman was not the passer of Draymond Green, but a, a, a better defense, equal or better defensive player at the same way that he could have guarded every position and an incredible rebounder. Um, and if possible, a worse offensive player in terms of scoring. Um, Harper was fine, you know. Pip, you know, and the the other part is, and people like to point out, Jordan didn't shoot the three ne- with nearly the volume that year. Jordan actually shot forty three percent. But the bigger thing is, like, again, are we playing old NBA or new NBA hand check rules? Because Ramos was like, well, you'd shut him down, okay? But it's a com- like the sport has totally changed in that period of time. Totally change. 
So that's why it's impossible. Uh, who I would pick the Bulls. Because I feel like the Bulls were so good defensively. But again, I don't know how good defensively they are if you, you know, if you change dramatically how their lineup works. So, yes, Pippen would guard Kevin Durant, but again, how do people play basketball now? You would have you would have tried to force Steve Kerr into a switch, and Steve Kerr would have no chance against any of those guys. What did you feel a little better, though? I know it was just a kind of a generic answer to the question, but maybe if Curry would have said, like, I really feel we would win, it would be really close, or it'd be very tough. He didn't really say that. He kind of seemed to be like it's a foregone conclusion that it was just an easy win for the Warriors because it's not a real it's not a real discussion thing. Okay, question. That, that's that was my takeaway. Mm-hmm. Jay Stewart, do you have the same takeaway? Where it wasn't it wasn't. I, I also think that asking somebody to answer some question seriously when it's a complete hypothetical, what is the point of the serious discussion? So him by him not answering it seriously per se kind of pushes it to the side and moves on to something else. I think so. Think so. I Check gotta out the ask, list. fully healthy, do you believe the Warriors with KD could have beat the 96 Bulls in a seven-game finals? Absolutely. Obviously, we will never know, but you put us on paper with them, I like our chances. Um, okay. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Here we're going to do. We're going to get back to Bayer uh, in a second. I want to play for you something um, because in, in addition to comparing teams— Right, we got compared teams to different eras. Now we're comparing teams from different sports. Here's Carmelo Anthony comparing LeBron and Carmelo's Lakers team to the Bucks last year. Just from the standpoint of you know starting off slow and having new guys on a on a on a, on a team, new system, uh, guys trying to figure it out, guys trying to figure out how to play with you know Le- LeBron and AD, and then now incorporating the Russ and, and just everybody just you know figuring out what their role is and. What made it what made it beautiful for the Bucks was that it was once it came together, it came together, and and you seen you seen what happened with that. Yes, uh, they played a soft schedule after their bye week. They squeaked out one on the road against Washington. They uh, beat a team that had beaten them twice with the help of a Jared Cook fumble in New Orleans. They had the lead and hang on, hung on for dear life against Green Bay. And oh wait, that's me getting too far into the weeds, right? What Carmelo's saying is like, look, if we're honest, this team was just put together. We're going to get better, and we still don't have Anthony Davis. That's fine. I agree with that. I think there is potential there. But I'd also point out to you, everybody is missing guys. Everybody's going to reintegrate guys, just like the Warriors bringing back Clay At some point, Jamal Murray for, for Denver, right? I mean, you kind of go through the league, and all of these teams have some questions and there's that fundamental flaw of one, they're older guys, somebody else is going to break down. Plus, Anthony Davis always gets hurt. And what do you do with Russell Westbrook? But I understand he's not talking about, well, Russell is Anthony Antonio Brown and Brady is LeBron James. And he's just like, look, if you look at those guys, it took him a while and then it clicked at the end of the season. That's what he's hopeful for. I think they're fundamentally flawed. That would be my pushback against it. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Matter anymore. 
Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. That she never will. You know the song is called, uh, Buyer? It's called Beer. It's called Beer. Real Big Fish, right? Real Big Fish? Yeah. That's affirmative. Well, let's let's hear this chorus, shall we? I think I'll have myself a beer, right? It's basically like everything's going wrong. I think I have myself a beer. Also, ska music. Let's get to um, the press. The press. Okay, get the latest lines of World Sports. Better sports book. Better is the trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21. President in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Dan Byer, what do you got? Don't buy it. Doug, some big names in the NBA in the news starting out in Portland. A report from ESPN says that Trailblazers guard Damian Lillard will have surgery to repair his ab injury. And while he's not expected to miss the rest of the season, there's a possibility that could happen, likely depending where the Trailblazers are by the time Lillard is healthy again. With a growing injury. Right now, 10th in the West, holding on to that final play-in spot over the San Antonio Spurs by a game. So how long is he supposed to be out? Don't know. There is no timetable, but again... Six. Yeah, I think it's going to be a a significant amount of time, and they'll, I think, decide on if he will be healthy enough, if it'll be worth to bring him back at that point. Wow. That's um, the opposite of a great first season for oh. Chauncey Billups. Oh, wow. Yeah, sidelined indefinitely is oh, the no. phrase from The Athletic, but ESPN did have it first. Uh, how oh, about no. this from uh, ESPN as well? No progress made between the 76ers and disgruntled guard Ben Simmons huh. following a m- meeting between Sixers Brass and Simmons's agent Rich okay. Paul. Okay. Um, it's over, Okay, Jenny. I'm struggling with the no progress made, like in terms of where he wants to be traded to, or they're mm. trying to bring him back. Well, in. remember Simmons had mm. that mental health break. Uh, Sixers mm. still wanting mm. um, a lot in return, and so it doesn't seem that Daryl Morey is budging on what he wants as a package, and it doesn't seem that Ben Simmons is budging and wanting to return to Philadelphia, and not budging on his desire to not be there. Got it. What we have here is a failure to communicate, right? Yes. Touched on this earlier. A report from the Bleacher Report says the Clippers believe they may not get Paul George back this season because of his elbow injury. And because of that and Kawhi's status being up in the air, the report says the team may look to be sellers at the trade deadline. They are currently in the eighth spot in the West. Instead of bye, 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 there, sell, sell, sell. Yes. (laughs) That is correct. Oh, wow. No Coach K tonight for Duke. Uh, out with a non-COVID-related illness is the eighth-ranked Blue Devils take on Wake Forest in Winston-Salem. This after losing at home to uh, Miami to the U. Mm. So uh, that one, th- that's interesting that Coach K get better Coach K. Obviously, he doesn't want to miss any games in his last year on the sidelines of Duke. Yeah, I'd be missing, uh, missing that game so the Demon Deacon fans can't, uh, you know, say their farewells. Netflix announced the launching of a series that follows some of the top names on the PGA Tour as the series will also include inside access at the four major championships with those players. You know, we're talking uh, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, Colin Morikawa, a lot of the top names and a bunch of names as well. I've never seen the Formula One series that they do for Netflix, oh, Doug, but awesome. it's, it's this is a, uh, supposed to be along the lines of that. It's it's made Formula One. Now, Formula One is becoming popular in the States anyway, but it's made Formula One, I think, much more relevant. I think it's been an absolutely brilliant, brilliant part of Formula One's uh, uh, business plan. Huh. 
So so who is it, Colin Morikawa? There, there's about 16 different golfers. Kepka, Spieth, Justin Thomas. Um, yeah. Victor Hovland, just a bunch of... Six. bunch of, yeah, the top players. No Woods, no Mickelson, but, uh, but a, a lot of the other top names. Uh, how about this one? 47-year-old yeah, Dale... Phil Ern- doesn't like publicity, so... That's, that's <laughs> 47-year-old Dale Earnhardt Jr. says he has no interest in ever racing in the Daytona 500 again. Did some next-gen car testing yesterday. Said, quote, I'm old. I'm done taking risks. Right. End quote. Right. right. Dude, his dad died in that track, man. He's good. He got out with... Got out with all his teeth, got out with all his money, and gets out with his life. I, I can't can't fault him. And Smart dude, right? Finally, Doug, yes, absolutely. The NFL MVP pyramid, final one of the season is done. Aaron Rodgers is my NFL MVP. I had Tom Brady in second, Cooper Cup third, Joe Burrow in fourth, and Jonathan Taylor fifth. For six through ten, you can always go to Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. But how hard was that for you to do? I mean, very, you're very Aaron difficult. Ro- you're not an Aaron Rodgers guy. Well, exactly. just also just with how close the numbers were, as we discussed yesterday, uh, between Brady and Rodgers, and almost ultimately in the end, it was how much the Packers missed Rodgers in that loss to the Chiefs that maybe put him over the edge. But we'll never know. And that's the press. Hey, get out there and press. That was the press. Doug Gottlieb, show on Fox Sports Radio, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Head over to BetRivers.com, BetRivers Sportsbook, the most trusted name in online sports betting. Okay, no Thursday night football, right? There's a Monday game. Continue to creep closer and closer to the playoffs. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio.